the quiet brook of bliss. That's where he restores and revives my life. He opens before me pathways to God's pleasure and leads me along in his footsteps of righteousness so that I can bring honor to his name. Lord, even when your path takes me through the valley of deepest darkness, fear will never conquer me, for you already have. You remain close to me and lead me through it all the way. Your authority is my strength and my peace. The comfort of your love takes away my fear. I will never be lonely, for you are near. You become my delicious feast. Even when my enemies dare to fight, you anoint me with your fragrance of the Holy Spirit. You give me all I can drink of, you, until my heart overflows. So why would I fear the future? For your goodness and love pursue me all the days of my life. Then afterward, when my life is through, I'll return to your glorious presence and be forever with you. The Lord is my best friend, my shepherd. I always have more than enough. He offers a resting place for me in his luxurious love. His tracks take me to an oasis of peace, the quiet brook of bliss. That's where he restores and revives my life. He opens before me pathways to God's pleasure and leads me along in his footsteps of righteousness so that I can bring honor to his name. Lord, even when your path takes me through the valley of deepest darkness, fear will never conquer me, for you already have. You remain close to me and lead me through it all the way. Your authority is my strength and my peace. The comfort of your love takes away my fear. I will never be lonely, for you are near. You become my delicious feast. Even when my enemies dare to fight, you anoint me with your fragrance of the Holy Spirit. You give me all I can drink of, you, until my heart overflows. So why would I fear the future? For your goodness and love pursue me all the days of my life. Then afterward, when my life is through, I'll return to your glorious presence and be forever with you. The Lord is my best friend, my shepherd. I always have more than enough. He offers a resting place for me in his luxurious love. His tracks take me to an oasis of peace, the quiet brook of bliss. That's where he restores and revives my life. He opens before me pathways to God's pleasure and leads me along in his footsteps of righteousness so that I can breathe. Good evening, everyone. I want to welcome you to Victory Christian Fellowship. We're just so delighted in God. He has done great things for us, and we are glad. Amen. Father, we just thank you so much for your goodness that you pour out on us each and every day. Lord, we thank you that goodness and mercy follow us all the days of our life. And surely we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever to bless your holy and wonderful name. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship the Lord together.
into your presence because of Jesus. We come into your presence because he's given us access. Oh, we worship you in this house. We worship you in this
this atmosphere tonight that it is conducive to the glory of God entering in and filling us, filling us to the full. We thank you, Lord, that we have this privilege as children of the living God to be in your presence, that you can come in our midst and you can dwell with us and we can have communion with you, Lord. Oh, we worship you. We lift you up in this place. The name of Jesus is above every other name. The name of Jesus represents life and life and joy and peace and long-suffering. Oh, we thank you, Jesus, that you bring goodness to us, that you bring mercy to us. you up in this place. We pledge our allegiance to you, O God. Hallelujah, Lord. Glory, glory, glory to your name. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. Fill this place, Lord. Fill every heart. Oh, fill every person, Lord, with the touch from the Master's hand. Oh, glory, glory, glory. Thank you, Lord, for your presence. Hallelujah. And Lord, we thank you that you communicate to us, Lord, and you speak to us.
When you're thirsty or when you long, come to me and drink from my river. Drink from my goodness. Drink from my spirit. And you shall be filled to overflowing. I will satisfy your mouth with good things. Hallelujah. Just say, Lord, I'm drinking. I'm drinking. I'm taking it in. You're everything I need. You're everything I want. And you're everything I desire. There is none like you. I give all of me to you. And I take all of you to me. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. For this divine exchange. Glory to God. He not only fills your cup, but he makes it overflow. He anoints your head with oil, and your cup overflows. Hallelujah. His peace flows over you like a river. He heals every ache and pain. Glory to God. He saved you from hell. Hallelujah. Oh, amen, amen. Well, you can have your seats and give him praise at the same time. Hallelujah. Just want to let you know that our youth are selling uh, cookies and coffee and things. and Their information is in the back there. And uh, on December 22nd, we're going to have a refreshing Christmas. That's going to be our candlelight service on the 22nd, because we like to give families maximum time to spend over the holidays and, and the times off. So, And uh, if you know any young people that are ages 12 to 18-ish or more, uh, tell them about our Air Force. There's a lot of good things that are happening uh, in our Air Force, and they should get in, in on that. Amen? Yes. Hallelujah. And, of course, in your giving tonight, you can give any time during the service. And if you're watching this, you can go on our website and give that way. And, you know, God blesses a cheerful giver. He actually loves a cheerful giver. Well, you say, well, how, how do I find cheer and giving? Because you're giving to God. Amen? And uh, there's, there's some delight in that. All right. And are we going to dismiss our kids for our Wednesday night kids' life? Amen. All right, kids, you ready? We thank you for our kids and our teachers who are going to minister to them. We appreciate you so much. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. Well, if you love Jesus, say praise the Lord. I was... uh, pondering this question over the past uh, week or so, maybe a little bit more, and uh, you know, sometimes it's good to, to revisit things, 
And so, what does it really mean to believe God? You know, if you can increase your believing, you can increase your receiving. If you can increase your believing, you can diminish impossibilities. Amen? So tonight, we're going to get a better understanding of what it means to believe God. Amen? I want you to turn with me to the book of Genesis, chapter 15. And we're going to begin there with the story of Abraham. Well, he was Abraham, Abram then. And uh, in verse 1, Genesis chapter 15, verse 1. And it says, after these things, there was a lot of things that happened up to this point. He said, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. So the word of the Lord came to him. And God gave him a audio picture because it came to him. The word of the Lord came to him saying in a vision. Okay. And the Lord said, fear not, Abram. I am your shield and your exceeding great reward. Don't you know that God is that to you? He is not only your protector, but he's also your rewarder. And, uh, and Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me seeing I go childless? And the steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus. Now, was that what God promised Abraham? To be childless? No. Because we know that he promised him to be a father of many nations. Right? But he hadn't seen it come to pass. And so he was losing sight of the promise. Now, I know that none of us here have ever lost sight of the promise or gotten discouraged, you know, and uh, some things are, are creeping into Abraham's mind. And, uh, and verse four says, and behold, the word of the Lord came to him saying, how many know the word, the word of God speaks. And whenever you come up in a challenge in life, the word's got something to say about it. All right. So, here the word of the Lord is saying again, he said, this shall not be your heir. Thank God that the word corrects your wrong thinking. See, the word of God had to correct this wrong thought that Abram was entertaining. It wasn't God's will for him to be childless, because God had already spoken in Genesis 12 that he was going to be a father of many nations. Right? And... The word corrects us. The word instructs us. The word helps us. The word guides us. This shall not be your heir, but he that shall come forth out of your own bowels or your own body shall be your heir. Now that kind of corrects it, doesn't it? Right? That means Abraham's seed is going to produce a child. And uh, he brought him forth abroad or outside and this would have been at night he said look toward heaven and tell or count the stars if you're able to 
you know, God's got a sense of humor. He presents you with an impossible thing. Count the stars if you're able to. Right? And, I, you know, I can could, I could see Abraham. He's there. He's looking up, right? He's like, okay, he's probably starting to count. Okay? So what's happening? He's looking at something different. He's thinking about something different. His perspective now is changing. Okay? And then he said unto him, so shall your seed be. And look at verse 6. And he believed in the Lord. Everybody say he believed. And he counted it him for righteousness. So Abraham simply had to change his perspective and change what he was thinking to change what he was believing. Because how many know if you're thinking childless, it's going to be hard to become a father? Amen? You're never going to solve the problem by thinking on the problem. You're going to think about a solution, right? So Abraham believed God, and in believing, something was credited to him. Something was given to him. It was righteousness. It was a characteristic of God. Because he believed God, just that simple change of environment, simple change of focus, simple change of thoughts, and God's word was saying, and he believed. He didn't need any more convincing. He didn't need any other proof. He believed what God said. And it was credited unto him as righteous. The moment he believed, God considered him righteous. And uh, you don't have to turn there, but Galatians 3.6 says, Abraham believed God and it was credited unto him as righteousness. And James 2.23 says, the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him. You know, when you believe, God gives you credit. How many want credit from God? It's not about being, it's about believing. Amen? So, what does it mean to believe? Well, it means to have faith. It means to be confident. It means to be convinced. It means to accept what he says. Versus anything else. It means to be certain. It means to take one at his word. There was no other proof that God could have given Abram. That he was going to be a father except he looked to the stars. And of course we know the stars are innumerable. Right? There's a lot of stars. How many has ever looked up in the sky? And saw the stars. There are a lot of stars up there. All put in place by God. Now, ask yourself, how much proof do you need from God to believe? You know, Abraham was saying, what are you going to give me seeing I go childless? God didn't even address the childlessness. 
He addressed the promise. He said, this is, how, this is what your descendants are going to be, like the stars. He didn't say, oh, you shouldn't think of that childlessness. He said, oh, that's not. He didn't even address that. He just reaffirmed his promise. So guess what? If you want to believe, you've got to come into agreement with the promise. You've got to align yourself with the promise. Amen? You've got to get a hold of that promise so tight that it can't slip through your fingers. That's what it means to believe. You've got to attach some weight to it. To believe means to understand. When you believe, you embrace what is true. Everybody put, put your arms out like this and go like this. Say, I'm embracing the truth. See, you're, you're getting a hold of... Now, we have to establish what's true. I mean, people believe in aliens. Where's the proof? There's nothing about an alien that they can embrace. But you have a Bible, right? When you embrace the Bible, you're embracing truth. So if you want to believe, you've got to embrace the truth. You've got to be a truth hugger. Say, I'm a truth hugger. Not a tree hugger, a truth hugger. You have to consider that what God says is the absolute truth. Even if your reality is different than what God said, your reality can change when you, when you believe. When you believe what God said is the beginning of change for your reality. What was Abraham's reality? He had no children. But guess what? That changed, didn't he? How did it change? Because he believed God. And both him and Sarah had a resurrection on the inside. She, her womb got resurrected and his seed got resurrected. His seed got energized with life. Because the man had Isaac, he had Ishmael, and after Sarah died, he got married again and had six more kids. He had some energized seed. He lived to be 175 years old. All right? When you believe, you've got to accept that God is reliable. And if you know that God is reliable, you've got to lean on him and nothing else. See, the problem is we want to mix our belief with something else. But anytime that you mix your belief with something other than God, you dilute your belief. You, you dilute it. You, when you dilute something, you, you make it weaker. Right? You, you lessen its strength, don't you? Okay? When you believe God, see, you've got to lean on God with your entire being. When it comes to healing, when it comes to finances, you're leaning on God. Even the Bible says, lean not to your own understanding. It's talking about trust. Trust God with all your heart. Okay, so when you believe you're embracing what is true, you're accepting that what God said is reliable, and you agree wholeheartedly that God is trustworthy. How many know that God's trustworthy? What does that mean? He's worthy of trust. You can, you can trust him. 
See, some people through their they've been they've had such bad experiences that they trust their experiences over God. It's hard for them to trust God. But you've got to get to the point where you trust God wholeheartedly. Everybody say it with my whole heart. Okay? Why? God's faithful and true. Is he not? If God is faithful and is true, and he is, then you can trust him. He is trustworthy. All right? So when you believe God, you embrace what is true, you accept that God is reliable, you agree wholeheartedly that God is trustworthy, and a transformation occurs. What God says now becomes your reality. Oh, my goodness. How long did it take for Abraham to go from childlessness to being a father? Just a moment. One simple look at the stars, he believed God, which means he embraced God as true, he considered him trustworthy, and he discovered that he was reliable. So he said, okay, I'm going to put my whole heart into him now. Abraham became a father by faith. It was impossible for him to be a father. It was impossible for Sarah to be a mother. Yet, because of what God said and how they embraced it, how they interacted with it, how they aligned themselves with God's word, they became what God said. A transformation occurred. Their reality was shifted. Sarah went from a dead womb to a live womb. Can you imagine, ladies? She was nursing a child in her 90s. Think about that. God had to activate a lot of body functions, didn't he? That's all I'm going to say about that. Okay? You enter the believing arena when what God said becomes your reality. And it becomes your reality inside first. See, in other words, what God said becomes the new norm. Woman, the the widow of Zarephath, she had enough for two pancakes, right? That was her reality. But yet God sent a prophet to her. See, God prepared the widow for the prophet, and God sent the prophet to her. He was working in both people, right? So her reality was, we're going to make our last meal for me and my son and die. That was a reality. But the word of God came along and changed the reality. Why don't you make me a cake first? And when you do that, uh, God will make the meal not run out. Right? And, and she did, right? And I want you to notice that God gave Abraham an instruction and he led him. He led him outside and he told him to count the stars. That's action. When you believe something, you're going to act like you believe it. So when God wants you to get your... When God wants to get your mind off your bad circumstances, he might just have you count the stars. You know, not dancing with the stars, counting with the stars. Right? Counting with the stars. Okay? So, 
when you believe God, it's going to be real to you on the inside before you see it or feel it out here. In other words, there is a mental picture of what you're believing that is clear in here before it's out here. Do you realize when God changed Abraham's name, think about how many times he introduced himself as Abraham. He had 318 employees, maybe a little bit more, because those were just trained servants. Those were servants with some skills and some swords, right? And he would sign their check, Abraham, right? Every time he said Abraham, he was declaring he was a father of many nations. It didn't feel like it. It didn't look like it. But he was declaring what God said. Why? Because he had believed. When you believe, your belief will eventually change your circumstances. Okay? What are some indicators that you believe? Well, we're going to see some confidence. When you believe, you're going to walk different. You're not going to walk like this. You're going to walk like this. When, if, you, if you really believe in God, there's going to be some confidence. Because confidence is an indicator of belief. Assurance. Yes, I know. Say, I know. Yeah, there's going to be some assurance. It's not going to be, I hope so. It's not going to be, I think so. It's going to be, I know. Right? There's going to be some certainty. There's going to be some boldness. There's going to be some joy. And there's going to be some praise. And there's going to be some rest. When you believe, you're going to be completely carefree. You're not going to worry. You're not going to fret. You're not going to be anxious. You're not going to be high strung. Why? Because a person who believes will display the fruit of the Spirit. Okay? You're going to know that it can't go any other way than how you believe. When you believe, you know it can't go any other way. Say, I believe God. And that's not, how you feel is not going to change what you believe. What you see is not going to change what you believe. What others tell you is not going to change what you believe. You're going to stick with what you believe. Okay? So it can't go any other way. And there's going to be some praise and some positive confession. You will never hear a person believe and speak negative about what they believe. Abraham said, yeah, what are you going to give me seeing I go child? Do you realize Abraham never mentioned childlessness after that? Why? Because he believed. You know, when you believe, you get unstuck. You know, wheels sound different when they're unstuck. Versus just spinning and making noise. Okay? Here are some things that are necessary for you to believe God. Number one, you need to hear God's word. What what did God say about your situation or about your circumstance? What did God say about it? And whether or not you believe Deter- is, is, is revealed by whether or not you're saying the same thing that God said. Do you realize if, you, if you're saying something different than what God said, you don't believe him. 
Amen? You need to hear God's word. In verse 4 of Genesis, the word of the Lord came to him saying. So Abraham heard God's word, didn't he? Right? The word of God changed Abraham's perspective and it changed his reality. How many need something in their reality changed? Wouldn't it, wouldn't it be cool to go from broke to prosperous? I don't know about you, but I, I don't want to live on barely get along street. You know, because that's next to Grumble Alley. I want to live on Prosperous Boulevard. On more than enough avenue. Amen? Well, how am I going to change my reality? By what I believe. I'm going to have to find some things about what God says about money, and I'm going to have to believe it so that it, become, it can become a reality in my life. All right? So we need to hear God's word. Number two, you need to be led by the Holy Spirit. There is no, oh, I'm telling you, how many remember going to the library and having to look up stuff with, before Internet, Right? You had to find a card. They had a card catalog. And, you had, and the card had the location of the book. And you had to find the card. Then you had to go find the book. Thank God for the internet. Amen? I can do my research in one place. I don't need a card catalog. And I don't even care who Dewey is. The Dewey Decimal System. There's no better resource than to find out the right thing that God says about your situation than the Holy Spirit. He knows exactly what word you need for your situation so that you can believe it. So you've got to rely on the Holy Spirit, right? Verse 5 says, the Lord brought Abraham outside. Doesn't the Holy Spirit lead us? As many as are led by the Spirit, they are the sons of God, Right? And he told him to look. And he told him to count. All right, he led Abraham. He, he instructed Abraham. He said to Abraham, and uh, what Abraham did was the basis for what he believed. See, when you believe something, when you believe God, you're going to have to act in a different way than what you were doing before. You're going to have to take an action. Because an action shows what you believe. And see, to maintain a strong belief, you've got to watch what you yield to. You've got to watch what you listen to. You've got to watch what you say and what you think and what you look to. What are you supposed to do with a thought that contradicts God? You're supposed to cast it down. Ugh! A thought comes. You didn't invite it. It just came. Guess what? Thoughts are going to come. You can't stop thoughts from coming. But you can certainly manage what you do with the thoughts that come. You get a bad thought that contradicts God, throwing that thing down and stomping on it. The Bible says to cast down vain imaginations and every thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. That's in Philippians 4. Or no, I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians 10. All right? And 
You know, we're commanded as believers to guard our hearts. Why? You can't just let anything get in your heart because whatever gets in your heart is going to come out of your mouth. So you've got to guard your heart. That's Proverbs 4. Okay? You've got to guard your heart against the enemy because he'll try to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants, to, he wants to prevent you from getting the result that God wants you to have. And how does he do that? He steals the word. The Bible says once the word is sown, Satan comes immediately to steal it. If he can steal the word, you have no basis for believing. If he can steal the word out of your heart, what do you believe in? Don't let him steal. Amen? See, when you believe, you've got to nurture God's word like a lady nurtures a baby. You know, babies need to be carried because they can't walk. Right? All they can do is cry, eat, and other things. Right? They need nurture. And that's how, when we hear a word from God, in whatever area of life, we got to nurture that thing. We got to carry that thing. Amen? We got to feed it. We got to water it. We feed it with the word and we water it with praise and worship. Glory to God. So believers need to take what God said as their own. You need to take ownership of what God said. That's a word for me. Say, that's for me. And, and when you know it's for you, take ownership of it. That's mine. Latch on to it. Stake your claim. Remember in the old days when they opened up the west, the western part of the country, and people would, would, they would run and they would stake their claim, right? They would, they would mark out their property and they'd put their claim there. This is my property. That's what you've got to do with God's word. This is my property. I'm putting my claim on it and I'm taking my stand on it and no one is going to take it from me. That's the attitude that you've got to have when you believe. Believers are fighters. Believers are winners. Why? Because a believer is willing to persevere. A believer is willing to endure. A believer doesn't quit until they get what they believe for. They're in it for they're in it no matter what. And believe me, there'll be opportunities to quit. A lot of people have taken opportunities to quit. Other people refused opportunities to quit. You look, at, you look at the results of which one wins out. Amen? Hallelujah. See, every belief must be confirmed, established, and sure. Unbelief is unconfirmed. And it loosens your footing and it brings you on unstable ground. It could be shaky, moving, slippery, or loose. And you could fall at any moment if your belief is not confirmed. Amen? To believe is to stand firm. You're not giving up any ground. I love one of David's mighty men that defended a bean field against 600 people. One man 
killed 600 people because they were trying to invade his bean field. Think about that. What is your offensive weapon in your armor? The sword of what? The spirit. God's given you a sword. Why did he give you a sword? To defend your ground. To defend what you believe. Because Satan's going to try to get you off of what you believe. But if you just stand your ground, you win. Amen? All right? Let's go to uh, Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9. Is this helping you? We got to become believing divine technicians. I'm a divine technician in believing. Amen? All right, Matthew chapter 9. And uh, look at verse 27. Not Matthew 9, 27. When Jesus departed there, two blind men followed him. Well, that's a miracle in itself, isn't it? Two blind men followed him. I'm just reading the Bible. Notice they were crying. They're using sonar. They're sending out pings. Okay? Two blind men followed him crying, saying, Son of David, have mercy on us. I mean, I know you're there, Jesus. I'm in hot pursuit. Have mercy on us, son of David. Have mercy on us. Are you close? I don't know. But they're, they're following him. Now, these guys are blind. Yet they're following him and they're crying out for mercy. What are they doing? They're taking action to change their reality. They don't like being blind anymore and they're doing something about it. Who initiated this? They did. They took the initiative to go after Jesus. Jesus didn't say, hey, you guys blind, follow me. Okay? And when he was coming to the house, the blind men came to him. That's another miracle. How'd they make it into the house? (laughs) And Jesus said unto them, Do you believe that I'm able to do this? Why would Jesus ask them what they believe? Because only their belief, only what they believe will change their reality. Jesus didn't take for granted that their action, they needed to have some words and actions. Do you believe that I'm able to do this? And they said unto him, Yes, Lord. Everybody say, Yes, Lord. How easy was it for them to believe? Two words, Yes, Lord. What were they believing? They were believing in his ability. In whose ability? In Jesus' ability. Who's Jesus? He's the Word. 
They were believing in the ability of the word to change their reality. They had faith in the word because they followed the word because they wanted to change their reality. And the word asked them, do you believe? Yes, Lord. Now notice this. Then he touched their eyes. Do you notice he didn't, Jesus didn't take any action until they declared what they believed. It was after they declared what they believed, then the word touched them. Then he touched their eyes, saying, according to whose faith? Your faith, be it unto you. And their eyes were open. Mark, their reality changed. In a matter of minutes. It wasn't a long process. Jesus didn't even have to have a teaching session. They'd already heard him do some miracles. Their faith was already built that he could do a miracle. But they believed. Do you believe? Jesus, do you really believe? Yes. Okay, then let's go. Boom. It was what they believed that activated the miracle. And their eyes were opened, and Jesus straightly or sternly charged them, saying, See that no man know about it. Now that's a hard thing. I just changed my reality from blind to seeing, and you want me to be quiet about it? But notice what happened. But they went, but they, when they were departed, spread abroad his fame in all that country. Now that was contrary to what Jesus said to do. But their, their beliefs still work for him, amen? They got a miracle. And it was because they believed. Do you believe? Do you believe in God's ability to change whatever reality you need changed right now? All you got to do is say, yes, Lord. That told Jesus they were in complete agreement. They were taking action and they were speaking words that aligned with God's will. Their actions and their words demonstrated what they believed. And they got what they believed. Amen? If two blind men can get what they believe, can you get what you believe? Absolutely. All right? Let's go to one more. Uh, Go to Mark chapter 11. Okay? A believer needs to lay hold of what God said and don't let go until it manifests. What if it takes years? So what? You have to enter the battle knowing that you're not going to quit. Do you realize David knew that he wasn't going to get into a fight with Goliath until he took his head off? I'm in this thing until the head's coming off. He told, he told Goliath, he said, I'm going to feed your carcass to the birds. That's some bold talk from a teenager. Talking to a trained warrior who's nine foot tall. But how many know David had to be in that battle until his head coming out, until he could feed his body to the birds? And, I'm not, and you don't let up until that happens. You, 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 you press in, you stand your ground, you wield your sword, you run. David didn't 
tiptoed to the giant. He ran to him. Everybody say he ran to him. What? David was certain. David was assured. David knew. He had uh, divine insight. He knew that he was going to win. He knew that he was going to win just by showing up. All right, Mark 11. This, this word believe, when, in, in, when, the two, when the blind men believed, it means to believe, to affirm, to have confidence. It means to be persuaded by the Lord. And uh, that's what it means. Okay, so Mark 11. All right, why don't you look at uh, verse 20. And in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. Everybody say they saw. What were they seeing? They were seeing the effects of the word. They heard the word spoken the day before. No man's going to eat fruit from you ever again. And Jesus just walked on. He didn't give another thought to that tree because he knew that whatever he says is going to come to pass. Okay? Think about this question. How many of you are confident that what you say is going to come to pass? Some of you aren't quite sure. Listen, when it comes to faith, you've got to be sure that what you say is going to come to pass. Okay? And verse 21, Peter calling to remembrance and said unto him, Master, behold, the fig tree which you, which you curse is withered away. You know, Jesus didn't say, yeah, duh. That, that would have been arrogant, and if you're arrogant, faith doesn't work. What did Jesus say? And Jesus answering and said unto him, have faith in God. You know, Jesus always focuses on the positive. Everybody say, have faith in who? Have faith in God. Say, my faith is in God. Now, if your faith was in your feelings, you've got to switch it to God. If your faith is in the doctor, you've got to switch it to God. If your faith is in anything else but God, you've got to switch it to God. Say, I'm making the switch. Okay? Verse 23. Truly I say to you, who's talking? The Word is talking. Jesus is talking. Whosoever shall say unto this mountain... Notice he didn't say pray to the mountain. What did he say to do to the mountain? When you encounter a mountain, don't pray. Don't have a prayer meeting. Have a say meeting. Make a declaration. Listen, sometimes you're praying about the mountain when you ought to be saying to the mountain. Jesus didn't say when you come up against the mountain, pray. He said say. Even though it ends the same, the beginnings are different of the words. One starts with PR, the other one starts with S. Who could say to the mountain according to the word? Who can talk to the mountain according to Jesus? (laughs) Whosoever. Who's a whosoever? If you're a whosoever in here, raise your hand. That means all of us. 
Say, I can speak to a mountain. All you have to do to speak to a mountain is be a whosoever. Be, what do you tell the mountain to do? Be removed. And be cast into the sea. Why in the sea? If it's cast in the sea, you can't see it. Okay? In other words, the mountain has to be gone from your sight. The childlessness had to be gone from Abraham's sight. Whatever the mountain is, it could be a block. It could be a barrier. It could be a hindrance. It could be lack. It's got to be out of your sight. So in order to get it out of your sight, you've got to use your mouth to move it. The mountain is voice activated. When, when you speak to it, the mountain, whatever that mountain is, will respond to you. Come on, this is good. And shall not doubt in his heart. You've got to have faith in your heart. Remember what I said? When you believe, it's going to be on the inside. Not the outside. It's going to be in here. Okay? But shall believe that those things which he says shall come to pass. Who is, who is he saying is doing the talking? You've got to believe your words. Now, if you've been, if you've been habitually confusing your heart, you're not going to believe your words. If you've been calling things that are, even though they are not, even though they should be not, you know, anytime that you speak against God's word, you're confusing your heart. So don't confuse your heart. Okay? But shall believe that those things which you say shall come to pass, you shall have whatsoever you what? Say. I've heard people say, why hasn't Jesus healed me? That's the wrong thing to say. Jesus, what, what's, what's one of Jesus' names? Jehovah Rophe? What, what, what is that name? Anybody know what that name means? The healer. So if you're saying, why didn't Jesus heal me? You're denying who he is. He's the healer. Okay, verse 24, and then I'm done. Therefore, I say unto you, listen, you've got to make God's word a priority. If you're going to believe something, it's got to be what God said. Therefore, I say unto you, what things soever you desire. How many have some desires? Okay, listen, you speak to mountains, you pray about desires. Okay, I must say, speak to mountains, pray about desires. All right? If you have uh, whatsoever you desire when you pray, what are you supposed to believe when you pray? Believe you what? Believe that you receive and you shall have. Which comes first, having or receiving? Receiving comes first. You've got to believe that you receive. When do you believe you receive? 
when you pray. So you've got to go in the prayer room having confidence in what God said is yours. Because the best way to pray is to pray the word to God. Because God is ready, he's listening to his word so that he can perform it. Do you know that God gave us permission to speak his word back to him? My word will not return void unto me. Because it will go accomplish what I set it to accomplish. Amen? So, you've got to go into the prayer closet knowing that you already have what God said you know, how many know that God wants to meet your needs, right? God knows what you need before he asks, right? Why does he still want you to ask? Because that demonstrates faith. That demonstrates trust. That shows you that you're looking to him and not to anybody else. Okay? I'm almost done. Right? So you go into the prayer room. You've got this desire. You've got this want. You've got this need. Whatever it is. Right? <laughs> you've got to take the word into the prayer room. See, the word is the seed. Okay? You, you've got to plant some seed into your heart, go into the prayer room. That's where the, that's, that's the, that's the dark room. That's where the, the film is developed. That's where the picture that you took with your camera is developed on the inside, and, and the prayer room is the development room. You got the red light on, right? You know? You, you're, you're taking it, you're dipping it into the chemicals, Right? If you've never developed a photograph, you, the old, before digital, you had to take the, take the negative, dip it into some chemicals, and, and put it on, it'll, it'll uh, get it on the paper. All right? So you get the word. You go into a prayer room. I have a desire. When you pray, I'm already believe, I'm believing that I receive. What am I believing? I'm believing what God said. And I'm praying what God said back to God. And God says, here you go. You believe you receive. And what happens after you believe you receive? What does it say? What's the, what's the last verse of 24? When you believe you receive, what's going to happen? Say, I shall have. I shall have. Hallelujah. It's as simple as ordering a pizza. How many ever ordered a pizza at home? You get on the phone. You already know what you want, don't you? And you put in the order. And what do you do when you hang up that phone? You're making preparations for the pizza that's on its way. We need to make preparations for the miracle that's on its way. In other words, you're getting, you're getting ready for it to manifest because you've already received it. And you're walking in the knowledge of it. Because I believe. This is what happened to Abraham. One simple shift of focus caused him to believe God. And when he believed God, it was accredited unto him for righteousness. And God was already working in his heart and his life to make him a father that God promised him to be. But it was the moment that he believed, he became the father, and a few years later it was manifested. Well, Isaac was born. Isaac was born. How did that come to pass? Because Abraham believed that he received. Because he shifted his focus. Amen? You ready to shift your focus tonight? 
How many need something from God tonight? God is in this room. You know why? Because the Bible says that when two or three are gathered, we got more than two or three. And we were gathered in his name, aren't we? The Bible says, there am I in the midst. Say, Jesus is here. His power is here. His goodness is here. And I'm a recipient of all of his goodness. Hallelujah. Amen. Stand to your feet. Glory to God. I want you to picture yourself with whatever it is that you need. I want you to see yourself walking like it. You know, if you need healing in your body, see yourself walking healed. See, imagine what it, be, what it would be like being pain-free. You wake up pain-free. You go to bed pain-free. You move around pain-free. Amen? See yourself. Picture that self. Get that picture on the inside. Why? God, he's taken away our pain, and he has bore our sickness, and by his stripes we are healed. So his reality, the reality of the word now has to become your reality. You're about to transform your reality from what it was to what he says it is. Because he is the authority. He's the final say. Amen? You got got that picture in your mind of whatever it is you need, right? You see a purse chock full of cash, right? Right? You see servants cooking your dinner and washing your clothes and washing your car. And you're just getting up. You're just resting. You're just giving orders. Amen. Come on. Abraham had servants. Isaac had servants. Jacob had servants. Daniel had servants. Jehoshaphat had servants. Solomon had servants. Amen. We were born to have servants. Glory to God. We are king's kids. Every king's kid has attendance. They take care of things for the king's kids. Amen? And they go to school. They learn how to sword fight. They go shopping. Because why? They got attendance taking care of things. Imagine how free your life would be if you had attendance taking care of some of the things that you don't like doing. Get that picture in your mind. God wants you to prosper. It's God's will for us to prosper. But we got to believe it. And we will never receive it until we believe it, until we accept it, until we take it as ours, until we embrace it. Glory to God. I'm embracing the prosperity of God. I am prosperous. Yeah, but it don't look like it. I don't care what it looks like. I only care about what he said. That's the only thing that I go by. Now, if you're here tonight and you need a reality changed in you, whether physically, financially, mentally, socially, family, relationally, whatever. If you need something changed in you right now, come up front right now. And you come up to receive. You come up believing you receive. Hallelujah. Well, Father, I thank you for meeting your daughter right here, right now, in the name of Jesus. You're meeting her faith. Hallelujah, you're meeting her faith in the name of Jesus. She trusts in you with all of her heart. She leads that to her own understanding. You brought her out to bring her into something better, greater. Oh, more, 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 
more, more, more, more, more. Father, I give you thanks and praise. Lord, she's here to change your reality because of the word of God. Lord, she's embracing your word, and your word has power, and the Holy Ghost is breathing on her, and those changes are being made. The transformation is being made in the name of Jesus. You're coming out of your cocoon. I hear the Lord saying, you're coming out of your cocoon. You went in as a caterpillar, but you're coming out a butterfly. You're coming out transformed. There's a metamorphosis taking place right now in your life and in your heart. God's working on the inside in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. His power is working mightily because he loves you. He's got plans to prosper you and not to harm you, you and your family. Hallelujah. To give you an expected end. Oh, glory to God. He will not fail you. But